Blog Talk Radio. back in 2010 and early 2013 finally uh, gave it a full try and made the transition away from combustible cigarettes and immediately was just amazed with this technology and uh, after being a 20 plus year smoker the ability to quit and uh, I guess to kind of explain I, I, I wear many hats officially got involved as a consumer with uh, a national group called CASA, Consumer Advocates for Smoke-Free Alternatives, um, and then started a, a Facebook group called Central Arkansas Vapors to kind of bring together some local friends of mine that were, were vaping in, in the area. At the time, there was no vape shop around. Um, we were ordering everything online. 
And uh, shortly thereafter, in August of 2013, the, the first vape shop, Rogue Vapors, opened in Little Rock, Arkansas, of uh, Bowman Road. And uh, I remember walking in opening day and meeting Troy Moret, the owner, and uh, being introduced to the e-liquid products that he had uh, blended and designed himself and uh, becoming instant friends. And that venture grew, and my involvement in um, this thing, uh, this miracle, I'll say, that we call vaping, um, I had planned on opening my own shop and was actually selling product in my, out of my back office to, to friends and family and people that wanted uh, wanted to try vaping immediately but couldn't or didn't have the ability to order online. And uh, we formed a partnership the, the following uh, spring and uh, opened a shop in North Little Rock for Rogue Vapors 2 in Lakewood Village. And uh, that first year we faced a lot of legislative efforts and many other shops opened. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's been an amazing journey. But one of the things that we realized early on is that we had some groups fighting the national fight for, for vapor technology products. Uh, and they were doing a great job, but we didn't have an organized local group. Um, that has recently led to us forming a state trade organization for the local vape industry here in Arkansas. Uh, and that group is called Arkansas Vape Advocacy Alliance. Um, you can find us online at uh, ArkansasVAA.org. And we're here to support all the industry members uh, here in the state and uh, to, to have a lobbyist representing us and our interests here at the Capitol uh, as we look forward to this upcoming legislative season uh, starting in January. Fortunately, we have sessions every other year here in the state compared to a lot of states that are, got many states that are undergoing uh, tremendous legal um, bills that are, are being filed on a, on a daily basis uh, to restrict adult access to this uh, life-saving technology. So I'm the president of the American or the Arkansas Vape Advocacy Alliance, and um, we're a state trade organization to represent vape, uh, vapor, uh, the vapor industry here in the state. That was kind of a long-winded explanation of many hats I, I wear, but uh, here I am. <laughs> Ryan, uh, <laughs> you, obviously kind of going back in the history of vaping, the, the concept of vaping as we know it today, obviously not the same as it was back in the day, but, I mean, you go back and, and you read some of these articles that I've been reading, um, a couple from Vaping Daily, um, speaking of the like the ancient Egyptians who would take herbs and, and, and oil and heat up stones, and, and that was their process of vaping back then. Um, and then, as according to what I'm reading here, what was it, 1927, Joseph Robinson, actually came up with the idea of the electronic cigarette. Uh, but it was actually uh, Herbert A. Gilbert, who in 1963, right, filed the first patent on the electronic cigarette? That's correct. He um, is the first patent holder of uh, what we could conceptualize as a modern-day e-cigarette. Of course, he didn't have the funding and the marketing to uh, proceed with that project, but um, certainly the idea was there. Smoking was uh, around, and 
the idea of, of basically a safer, uh, you know, electronic version of the combustible cigarette uh, was envisioned with Hilbert. And then, of course, getting into what we've labeled the show, obviously, I, I labeled it the war on vaping, um, you know, and it seems like there's been this, this, this trend going along because I'm reading here where I'm looking at like in the 1980s, uh, Bill Ray and Norman Jacobson worked more towards commercializing the idea. However, in the 1990s, the FDA did not allow tobacco companies to introduce e-cigarettes to the market. Um, so apparently this has been met with a lot of resistance uh, in, on the federal level uh, through the FDA and, and entities of that nature. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You, you certainly done your uh, your research there, Brad. You you, you bring up some things that uh, I'm not even aware of. Um, yes, I remember growing up. There was the idea of a, kind of a smokeless cigarette that that came around. I think it was called the Eclipse, and it, it made it to market. I remember my parents having it, and I, I think I even remember trying it as a kid. Um, but it wasn't anything like a, a, a traditional cigarette. Uh, you know, Tom Lick, Tom Lick from China, the pharmacist that is, I guess, given the title of, of really bringing to market the, the modern-day e-cigarette or the, the vapor technology products that we use today. And um, I do know this. It, it, interesting thing, the FDA really didn't have regulation over the tobacco industry until the Tobacco Control Act put in under the Obama administration um, in 2009. So, uh, and when the, the TCA, the Tobacco Control Act, went into effect, um, there was not a real market for uh, e-cigarettes here in the United States. But the FDA did attempt to uh, regulate the e-cigarettes, um, and they see some shipments coming in from a company, uh, we'll, we'll call them Enjoy, um, and it led to um, a Supreme Court case, the Terra case. And the outcome of that case was basically the court ruling that the FDA did not have jurisdiction over e-cigarettes as we know them today because they were trying to regulate them as a, a medicinal device, a medicinal device for delivery of nicotine. But the court did say that they could possibly, if they so choose, uh, try to regulate them as a tobacco product, which pissed off the FDA and, and led them back to what we now know as the deeming rule that went into effect of August 16th of 2000, or August 8th of 2016. And we are now, the vapor industry, e-liquid vapor technology products are considered a tobacco product. As ridiculous as that may seem, considering we contain no tobacco, um, there's no tobacco leaf, um, they are trying to Basically, in my opinion, using federal overreach um, for the FDA as a, a federal agency to encompass e-cigarettes and tobacco products simply for the fact that some e-cigarettes contain nicotine, which is derived from tobacco. So that's where we're at today. And, and, the FDA is deeming authority. And, you know, to, to clarify to some of those that may be listening that uh, aren't too familiar with the e-juice, um, obviously, I think in Topher it goes up to in in, our, in the market that I've seen, and I've only been vaping since last year. But the the market that I've seen is 
don't have any desire to touch it. Honestly, it's, it's the nastiest smell in the world now. Um, and that's another beneficial thing to vaping is I can vape and I don't have to spend money on air pressures in my car. <laughs> so, you know, um, but no, so that, you know, that it does work to actually stop smoking. And I recommend a lot of people that I talk to, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this show was a lot of the people that I encounter, they come up and they're like, well, you know, I smoke, well, I haven't smoked cigarettes since July 5th. And then I go to bed, you know, and they're like, well, you do that. And I'm like, yeah, but honestly, like, I feel like the only negative thing that I made to introducing my body to on any level would be the nicotine portion of it. And I don't consider that to be that bad. You know, not the, what, I don't know how many examples they found now in, the, in actual cigarettes themselves. Um, but I know it's a ton and, you know, you can breathe, you can function and, you know, I don't smell like an ashtray, number one, that's awesome. But, uh, so that's how I got started on that. Topher was honestly doing that and, and have met some really good people. And that's why I wanted to, to, to bring this to the forefront because, you know, reading your page, um, your personal page that I went through today and then. The, the articles that have been posted on CAB and talking to various shop owners because one of the one of my favorite shops that actually sponsored the show is Sub-Owned Vapors over in Sherwood uh, or North Little Rock Sherwood on right there on the border at the Indian Hills Kroger Shopping Center. Uh, you know the yeah. gentleman, Ray. Nice guy. Very informative. You know, we talk a lot um, about vaping and, and the safeties and then I've met guys like Jason at the Vapor Lounge. Um, you know, met you, uh, Will over at Vape City, guys like that that uh, are more than willing to, to help you and and uh, you know, especially when you get to build in the coils and you start using the unregulated devices. And I guess we can transition to that. I know one of the biggest things, Topher, is uh, you see these news stories about uh, these people where the batteries explode on them. Uh, and to me, like, not having vape that long, but I, I, I've built a few coils, and it's all about safety and precaution, and is what I feel like it is to me. Like, if I have a question, I message somebody, and I go, hey, I want to put this in here. Can I do this? And I was led to a couple of uh, apps on my phone that allow me to type in voltage, resistance, and it tells me what battery, you know, what's a safe rating, and can it, can it handle it according to the battery? Can you kind of go into some the detail to dispel some of the myths about the exploding batteries that just like explode for no reason? Sure. Yeah, that's that's been a hot topic, and uh, it's sensationalized news. Anytime you can create a story, and it, they stop reporting on all the uh, lighters that blow up because there's I forget how many I looked it up at one point, but it was like I don't know twelve times the amount of. Uh, of explosions from cigarette lighters that happen every year, but we don't hear about those in the news because they've become commonplace many years ago, and it doesn't make for a good news story when you're just hearing the same thing over again, but e-cigarettes are the hot bugs, and if we can get something with the vape battery that exploded, um, you know, let me first of all explain that it's not a vape battery. It's a standard typically, and most all external battery vape devices have just been a standard 18650 battery size. Uh, the same battery that's used in power tools, the same battery that's in the back of the laptop computer. When you pull off that bar, you'll find four or five 
eight and six fifty batteries in series in the back of your laptop computer. It's the same battery technology, lithium batteries, ion battery uh, technology in our cell phones, in computers and laptops, and a number uh, of devices. Uh, and it's a relatively safe technology when used as instructed and appropriately um, following manufacturer's guidelines. Um, however, on the vape side of things, there has been tons of stories about batteries that exploded. 99% of the time, it comes down to user error. And what the vape industry has been from the start is a consumer-driven industry. We have a device which has become referred to as a mod. You know, why the name mod? Well, it's because it was originally a, it comes from being a modified flashlight tube. Um, several years ago, what was very popular before uh, innovation with audio-led chips being able to push more than 30 watts was what we call uh, mechanical mods, which was just a, basically a flashlight tube with an on-off switch. And uh, the rebuilding side of drippers became very popular because we could get a bigger vape experience um, by building our own coils compared to the safety-built stock coils and safety-built equipment that originally uh, was in a 15-watt limit and then 30-watt limit. Uh, and then it kind of grew from there. But before the safety tips were put in, we were just using modified tubes to make our own coils and devices to enhance our vape experience to keep us from smoking. And without knowing all the or, or the basics of, of battery safety and building and making sure to check that coil that you built, to, number one, make sure there's not a short, and number two, make sure that the build was a high enough resistance so that you didn't overamp the battery that you were using, which is point number three, which is making sure that you're using batteries that are safe for the application being used. And that can apply to any technology. It can apply to computer or, or power tools or any other equipment. Um, you know, I think back to some of the news stories that I, I saw in the past, you know, year or so, when they said this bait battery exploded, and it was a, a battery that was pulled from a power tube, and it, would, it, it didn't explode because the person was even using it in their device, because they were just carrying it around in their pocket with change and keys, and it created a dead short, and it went off in their pocket. Um, and so I think back, you know, why did this happen, and how can we prevent this? And as a shop owner, um, you know, we, one of the things that we did, we stopped carrying mechanical mods. We said, we're only going to carry devices that have safety built in. And that's not to take away anything from some users and, and people that were vaping that had the experience and the knowledge that were experienced users and knew how to safely use their devices, but it was for the, for the general public. Because what I saw happening a lot was customers were coming in and, and they'd have a device that their buddy gave them and said, here you go, you can use this to stop smoke, smoking, and didn't explain anything else to them, didn't show them how to build, didn't teach them anything about battery safety and and they were coming to me because they didn't have a clue how this thing works. They just knew that their buddy gave it to them. Their buddy was using it, but they didn't have a clue of what they were doing. And I remember one device that had a hard short on it right at the coil. Uh, pulled off the battery cap, looked at their battery. It was all torn to shreds. The insulator was missing. It was upside down. Um, you know, multiple, multiple issues. And, and I started from square one. And um, 
had to educate them on, on how this works. So um, jump forward to where we're at today, and, and those types of issues in large part have um, gone away because the majority of devices that are, are available inexpensively on the market today have safety built in. Um, you know, there's still important things that I always tell customers, you know, as far as battery safety and not carrying batteries loose in a purse or in their pocket, making sure to always have them in a, a battery case or, you know, wrapped up either in their mod, on a charger, or in a case. But, you know, those are the basics of safety with regards to that. Um, and, and these problems are, are, for the most part, going away. But there's always the potential when you're using something uh, like a lithium-ion battery, which has a, a lot of potential power built in that, you know, things can go wrong um, if you don't practice just some basic safety things. Other than that, they're relatively safe. And going back to something you brought up uh, in the beginning with regards to nicotine and you feeling that that's one of the, the potential things, um, just to educate the listeners out there, you know, the whole thing with – Vaping compared to smoking that I, I want to make sure to get across is that, you know, vaping, I don't think anyone in the vaping industry says that vaping is totally safe. What, what vaping is is a harm reduction technology. It's magnitudes less harmful, and we have the science and the data to back it up. Magnitudes less harmful for your health and less risky than smoking combustible deadly cigarettes. Combustible cigarettes kill the people that use them over the course of their life. There is no other legal consumer product that kills one out of every two people that use it as uh, as directed. And they're FDA approved. <laughs> How about that? Cigarettes are FDA approved. Um, moreover, nicotine, and a lot of people don't realize this, nicotine is about as harmful or let's say as harmless as caffeine. And every American consumes nicotine. Most people don't know this, but it's part of a healthy diet. Uh, potatoes, tomatoes, eggplant, cauliflower, anything of the nightshade family contains nicotine. So we all consume nicotine. Nicotine is not the harmful thing. The harmful thing in smoking is, is the combustion process. Um, cigarettes have been made legal tobacco, and we know back in the 80s, the big tobacco companies hired scientists to formulate the cigarette to be the most effective uh, form of nicotine delivery and added hundreds of chemicals, ammonia, which turns nicotine to free-based nicotine, um, and then, of course, the tobacco leaves, the MAOIs in tobacco, combined with uh, the nicotine make that addictive. Uh, but all the other chemicals that they add, calling the fillers, preservatives, etc. And then when you light that on fire, the combustion process converts those hundreds of chemicals to over 7,000 chemicals, over 70 known carcinogens um, that we breathe in. And we compare that to vaping, which has four main constituents, being PG, propylene glycol, VG, the vegetable glycerin, nicotine, if you so choose, and of course you can get it with no nicotine, and the fourth ingredient being the food-grade, uh, FDA-approved as gross, mind you, food-grade flavorings. Um, so those are the four ingredients that don't burn, don't combust, simply heat up like brewing a cup of uh, tea, let's say, over the stove, and then the vapor is inhaled, and that's how 
users consume their nicotine in a, let's say, clean form compared to smoking. So that, that that's the big difference. And, of course, where you were going originally with this is, um, you know, that kind of hobby side and, and how you've grown in your vaping experience, Brad, and um, exploring the new range of products that innovation and technology has brought about that provide an enhanced experience. And under the current FDA deeming rules, really no new products are allowed on the market without getting approval and going through a TMTA, a pre-market tobacco application, first with the FDA. Um, that means anything coming to market after August 8th of 2016 needs to be approved first. Uh, and that applies to not only e-liquids, um, but also hardware. However, most of the hardware manufacturers are outside the U.S. and they're not um, necessarily have to um, abide by those, you know, FDA rules. So, and I think it's a good thing. Technology and innovation uh, improves our lives. I'm hoping that we can find a way to to continue to bring it about. And number two point is, you know, I I truly believe that vapor products are, are harm reduction. Um, they're good for public health and uh, need to be. We obviously need more research um, and science on it, but based on what we do know currently, um, they're much less harmful than what's already on the market in cigarettes. There has to be right. a, a better way, an easier way to market. Well, well Topher, what I find, I mean, what I find absolutely hysterical in all of, in, in all of this is that, is that uh, you know, they talk about the batteries and, and the exploding batteries, and yet, um, we're all still using cell phones, and the last time I checked, there was like a ton of cell phones exploding. But we're not going to worry about that as a manufacturer's defect. You know, that's what I don't. Know. I guarantee you. I feel like there's been more cell phone explosions than there probably has mod or battery explosions. And yet we're still every day. We're, we're nothing's being said about that to the degree. Uh, this so uh, you know, kind of going back to what you said, I feel like it's an attack on on um, vaping as, in general because you don't see this public outcry from these organizations over these cell phones exploding. They just go back to the lab, fix them, and push them right back out with no problem. Yeah, no, I, I mean you're right. I I mean, I under I, I know and understand the reason behind all this, and I, I'm sure you probably do as well, as well as as listeners out there, is that it comes down to, to greed and money, and those in power don't want to change the status quo. There's a lot of money being made by selling death and disease and cigarettes and tobacco. I mean, tobacco industry is what built this country. Um, you're not just going to let that go away. And then you got a lot of health organizations. you got the big pharma companies that want to peddle their uh, their patches and their gums that are ineffective with less than 3% effective rate. And Chantix, you know, you got over 500 suicides who hear black box warnings on the, the package because it's a known detriment to, to people's health. But, yeah, we're going to keep those legal, um, you know, and, and want to suppress this life-saving technology and vapor products. It all comes down to the money and the greed. And, 
you know, it's, it's, uh, it was explained in the Belgian Live. I don't get a chance to watch that movie. I have a screening here and uh, it's available on iTunes and uh, several platforms for download, but it really explains the, the predicament quite well. Um, that you gotta, you gotta, they call it the trifecta of fuckery between big tobacco, big pharma, and big government. And just like the big government has colluded with the pharmaceutical industry and distribution chains with the opioid epidemic that we're experiencing here in this country, they're doing the same thing with the tobacco industry. You got groups like Campaign for Tobacco for Kids and other health organizations, American Lung Association, American Health. Uh, heart association that want to keep their funding vital, you know, they could have come out with their own products. Even Big Tobacco could have come out with their own um, less harmful products, but they didn't, and pharmaceutical companies didn't, and it was a consumer-driven industry, young entrepreneurs and small businesses that got together and came out with this product, and now it's going to be suppressed and shut down by those in power. Um, and that's what really gets to me. And I'm sorry if I went too far with explaining all that, but I'm pretty oh, no. passionate about the situation. Oh, no. And that's the one thing I wanted to get with this show. Michael, we have, Topher, you know, you know Jason uh, from the Vapor Lounge. He's going to yep. join us, I believe. Jason, you with us? Great. Absolutely. I'm right here. Hey, Jason. So how are you, brother? Jason with us? Pretty good. Topher, how are you? I'm well, though. I'm well. To let everybody know that's listening, this is Jason Witham. He is the owner and operator of the Vapor Lounge over in Little Rock. Uh, I bought a bunch of stuff from Jason, so uh, welcoming him on the show. <laughs> Thank you for putting his kids through college. I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. On my wall over there. <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, here's what I, I'm glad that, that I've got Jason on, on here as well as Topher. Michael, if, I'm going to play a, a two-minute audio file from the Surgeon General. And Topher, if you'll talk about it first and then if you're done, Jason, if you'll give your opinion on this. I'm going to put you guys on hold real quick. Um, I'm going to play this file real fast. Uh, go ahead and play that, Michael. Now, as I meet parents and teachers, elected officials, and healthcare professionals across this country, I have found that confusion about e-cigarettes is widespread. People wonder what's in e-cigarettes. Are they safe for our kids? Are they a safe alternative to smoking? And as a new parent, I can relate to the desire, the strong desire to protect our kids, especially given the rapid rise in e-cigarette use. The report I'm issuing today is meant to help families and communities understand what the science tells us about the health impact of e-cigarettes on young people, And the message from the report is clear. Nicotine-containing products in any form, including e-cigarettes, are not safe for youth. Because many of these e-cigarettes contain nicotine, and nicotine comes from tobacco, and it is a highly addictive chemical. It can also have adverse effects on the developing brain of adolescents and young adults. These effects can lead to not only addiction, but also to deficits in attention and learning, reduced impulse control, and mood disorders. Furthermore, e-cigarette use by young people is strongly associated with the use of other tobacco products, and research has shown that kids who use e-cigarettes are more likely to use traditional cigarettes. Now, contrary to the belief of many, the aerosol that's produced by e-cigarettes is not harmless water vapor for either the user 
or for those who inhale it secondhand. It often contains nicotine and other chemical compounds, which can have harmful effects on the user, as well as those who inhale it secondhand. Some say e-cigarettes aren't dangerous. But science shows nicotine can harm teens' developing brains. No matter how they're experienced. Let's do an experiment to find out. Here's a teen who won't be using e-cigarettes. Now we need one willing to risk their brain development. Anyone care to volunteer your kid? Anyone? I'm Dr. Vivek Murthy, U.S. Surgeon General. Your kids are not an experiment. Protect them from e-cigarettes. Yes, because e-cigarettes will jump up and do bad shit to them. <laughs> um, that, that sounded so stupid. Like when you did them, I'm sure they were cursing that whole thing. So, Jason, before I get to you, Topher, your response, obviously that was a Surgeon General statement that I pulled off of YouTube, and then there was a, an advertisement that they put in behind it. So go ahead and, and your take on that. Okay. Uh, I'll start saying great. Uh, great, Vivak Murthy. Uh, letting us know that, we, you know, e-cigarettes are ne- not meant for our youth. We already knew this. It's an adult product. Um, there's been age restrictions on all tobacco products, including the e-cigarettes. Before it was uh, deemed by the FDA, vape shops, all vape shops I've known ever have been instituting their own self-imposed age restrictions um, to keep these adult products available to adults at our hands of kids. But you know as well as I do, um, you know, kids have a way of getting things and experimenting, and that's what kids do. That's how I experimented. That's how I, you know, first tried cigarettes by stone for my parents. However, Murphy had a great opportunity to give a full report on e-cigarettes, and his sole focus was specifically and solely on directing that report to the youth of e-cigarettes in the youth. And it missed out opportunities of e-cigarettes as an uh, alternative to help the adult smokers. And this is what we see going on today, continuing that, you know, the focus is on the kids, the save the kids argument. It's something that's been going on for 20 plus years because it's an easy, easy argument to win whenever you want to frame it in the, in the, in the uh, idea of, you know, it's just all about the kids. But that's not what this is about. Um, you know, we've had age restrictions on these cigarette products. I believe we need to enforce this more. I believe that the uh, Surgeon General missed on the opportunity of giving the full truth, and that's that's what I really want to see happen is that we get the full truth about e-cigarettes and vapor products, um, about their ability to help the adult smokers, and uh, they're not something that are meant for children. They're not something that are meant for youth. The youth are going to experiment around, and I'll tell you, if it was my kid, and they have the uh, option to go uh, back, find a way to get either cigarettes or e-cigarettes, I'd want them going for the known scientifically less harmful alternative to experiment with versus um, the harmful combustible cigarettes. Um, I think one of the best things Trump did was get rid of uh, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy when he, when he took over, and I'm personally glad he's gone, and I think his report is crap, and I look to the reports of like Public Health England that have shown the uh, 
the potential for vapor products to, to help the full population, including the adult smokers that are, are just trying to quit smoking. You know, this is something that's working. Um, let England be the example where smoking rates have now dropped to their lowest level. More people use e-cigarettes than smoke cigarettes in England. You know, we, our Surgeon General was two years behind public health in England's report fifties explaining the tie of to uh, to combustible cigarettes to cancer. Um, you know, before it was two years later after they reported that there was a tie to carcinogens in cigarettes, combustible cigarettes, that our own Surgeon General uh, declared and made the same statement. Again, I think we're two years behind making that same statement with regards to e-cigarette and their potential to help the adult smokers. I'll leave it there. Jason, your take on that? My take on it is everything you read, see, or anything says e-cigarettes, vapes are at least 95% safer. I know I was a pack and a half a day smoker had acute bronchitis, used an inhaler four to five times a week. I've been vaping for a little bit over five years now. I no longer even own an inhaler, breathe a million times better. Uh, Everybody that's in the negative, they always want to focus on the negative, the one and 2% things that, uh, everyone puts out there that says is wrong with it, but what about all the good from it? Right. I mean, you're absolutely right. And the thing about it is is that I don't know scientifically speaking, but I feel like I'm is I'm more susceptible to the exhaust that comes out of a vehicle that you see on the road, <laughs> the toxins in that, as opposed to, to that's just my personal opinion. That's not scientific, obviously, but I mean, let's be honest. I feel like, you know, like 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 it's been said. I'll take the 95% uh, safer route all day, every day, over how I used to feel smoking cigarettes. You know, waking up yeah, every morning feeling like somebody. <laughs> yeah, know. cigarettes contain thousands of chemicals. Thousands. And then you, you've got a vape that contains a few ingredients. So, so, so both of you guys are shop owners, um, obviously. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, the FDA has, has come down on, uh, you know, juices as far as, you know, I guess to clarify, if anyone listening doesn't really know the difference, there are, what you would call, I guess, what would you call them, premium juices, those marketed by a particular juice manufacturing company and sold, you know, like the one and whatever. Uh, And then there's the house juices that are usually made by that particular uh, shop. But now they've regulated that to where you have to have a particular setup in order to do that. You know, do you guys agree with that, or is that something that's just some more red tape crap that, that's being thrown to kind of hard hinder the progress that vaping's making here in America? 
Well, let me speak to that uh, real quick. Um, kind of uh, explain before the FDA took over and and, and deemed that uh, e-liquids were a tobacco product and they had regulatory authority over them. There were many independent shops that would make their own e-liquids um, basically to order for customers and often make them sometimes right in front of the customer in a stand and say, you know, you want this flavoring, that flavoring, because really it's it's a pretty simple process. You're taking those four ingredients that I mentioned earlier, VG, PG, nicotine, and then the food-grade flavorings and blending them together to come up with a specific flavoring. Uh, well, before the FDA regulations went into effect, many shops were able to make up basically any blend that you would ask for. Afterwards, basically what happened August 8th of 2016, there was a freeze on the market. And so any flavors that were not on the market as of August 8th were not allowed to come to market. Those flavors that were on the market were given a grace period um, and basically four years to comply and go through this PMTA process. That's since been moved back. Um, But what happened was many shops decided they were no longer going to make e-liquids. And a lot of the national brands that had built a distribution channel, let's say throughout the U.S., were going to co-packers. Some of them were already using co-packers. Co-packers are basically, um, a lot of times they're uh, um, makeup, uh, sometimes farmers. Pharmacological companies, but um, uh, food drug, uh, the, you know, the, the makeup um, people that had ISO labs that were certified to produce makeup and such that had gotten into the business of making e-liquids, and a lot of these e-liquid uh, companies come them, and, and because they already had the processing and production ability to mass produce and nationwide distribution channels. Those were e-liquids that could be found in shops throughout the U.S. And then you had small companies like uh, like mine, Rogue Vapors, who maintained a, a laboratory here locally and did not mass produce. Um, and we manufacture e-liquids in a state-certified lab and manufacture for our shops. And a few distributors that carry our liquids nationwide. Um, and what's kind of shaked out in all this process is that there's been a lot of the companies that have recently jumped in right before August 8th to build and brand uh, an e-liquid company flavor uh, and brand and distribute it. And then you have some smaller companies that have maintained their own labs. But as of right now, there is no nationwide standard. Um, and this is one of the things that, that I'm pushing for is to get rid of this PMTA, this pre-market tobacco application process, because it's extraordinary um, costly. Um, it's a bunch of red tape. Um, out of the thousands of companies that have applied for a PMTA since the FDA has taken over jurisdiction of regulating the tobacco industry, I'll let you guess how many have been approved. Anyone want to take a guess? Well, 
How many? Zero. <laughs> That's a good guess, Jason. But there's been one approved. One, thousands have applied, or one approved. And they spent over $10 million. They had lumped some, I think, like five different products. And it was a Swedish schnuss. Um, and they're the only ones that I know that have, have been granted a PMTA so far. There's another one on the on up to be approved. It's, and I don't know if I want to go down this road, but it, it's an Altria product uh, or Philip Morris International PMI, um, a heat not burn technology, which is somewhat similar to a vapor product. Um, but it's it's applied for a PMTA right now and, and currently in the process of getting approval. They've also applied for another thing called a MRTP, which is a modified risk tobacco product. And if they're able to be granted for that uh, designation, you'll be able to say a lot of things that no other product can say, which is uh, primarily this is less harmful than combustible tobacco. So as it stands right now, vapor products, e-liquids, we, we can't legally say that we're less harmful. We can't even say that we don't uh, burn. We can't say that there's no ash. By you. We can't say, how messed up is that? We can't say that there's no ash. This produces no smoke. And all those are factual, true statements. That's why we have a number of lawsuits uh, against First Amendment rights of not being able to legally say truthful statements. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. But I think I strayed a little far from your original question with regards to um, the, the pre or the um, you know, house juices versus premium lines. And what I wanted to say with that primarily was that what what I think the industry needs, what we need to have changed is to have standards, which are standards to live up to, you know, make your e-liquid with only these components. And we know that there's nothing harmful and put this on the label that we know uh, that there's PG, VG, and the flavorings that's in it and the nicotine level and it's accurate so standards to live up to, and if you live up to that standard, you can have your legal product on the market versus having to get this cumbersome, overly burdensome, uh, multi-million dollar application process that may or may not be accepted. We don't even know the standards of what it takes to get one through since there's only been one that's ever gotten through, um, and that's where it stands right now. And that's something that no small liquid manufacturer can uh, go through it and really have a hope of getting approved for, but only big tobacco type companies or a big pharma company that has a million dollars to spend on the roll of the dice that they make and apply. Um, those are the only people that really have a, a chance of getting through. And it was, it was done by design. And it goes back to the whole administration act of uh, the tobacco control act that put this in place um, that no new products can come to market without having to go through this expensive, burdensome PMTA process. Yet, get this, all cigarettes on the market today, every single cigarette that you can go buy at the convenience store down the street and kill yourself with, never, ever had to go through that process. They never had a standard to live up to. They never had um, an approval process to go through. They were grandfathered in. Um, and, and that's one of the legislative things when we get to that that, uh, that we're hoping to get grandfathered in for vapor products that are much less harmful. Um, but as it stands right now, 
every company, every e-liquid uh, juice that's on the market, whether it's a, a local small uh, lab or a national lab, right now will have to undergo a PMPA. It's been pushed back to 2022, but we're all in the same boat. And I would bet that less than 2% of the e-liquids on the market today would have the ability to pass through that right now bring changes. Oh, wow. I mean, the explanation right there, Tobra, I mean, you, 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 you told me a lot of things here that uh, I didn't even think about, honestly. And before I get to you, Jason, on the, the original question, you know, it is weird. Like, I never thought about that, but, you know, the, the, the popularity of cigarettes, obviously, in every single movie back in the 40s and the 50s and whatnot, and then they found out, yeah, everything's bad, and they never did anything about them like they've imposed upon the vaping community. So, you know, that, that, that to me is interesting, and when the next hour when we get into the legislation and, and the issues of that, you know, that's going to be very interesting as well. But, Jason, you know, I went back to the, the juice lines and the, the ISO 3 or whatever. Uh, you know, as a shop owner, your your, your opinion on that and, and then any potential effects to, to business or how things are run from the shop owner perspective? Well, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference to me whether I have my house juice or, or national branded juice. You get it. I'm going to say 90% of my customers come in don't even want to look at house juice. They want a premium juice. Not that there's really a ton of difference in the way a house juice is made compared to what they call a premium juice. It's just got a little bit more fancy packaging. And uh, I, I think the labs are absolute a great thing because just like Topher said, before August eighth of sixteen, any shop that was out there could just sit there and mix up something right in front of you. Um, I absolutely agree with the with the lab. I think everything does need to be done in a lab. Clean room, all that good stuff. But yeah. you know, you know, you've been in my shop many times. My house juice. I, I have one shelf of house juice. I have five or six of premium juices. Uh, personally, it doesn't. It it doesn't benefit me a whole lot to have house juice because I don't make my house juice. I have a, a big company make my house juice for me right yeah i mean i you know your your premium lines are are where it's always been at for me um for sure i don't know if i've ever had a i don't know maybe i can't remember it i've had so much stuff out of it (laughs) yeah yeah I'll tell you, if I may, an interesting experiment that we did kind of as a company with the whole house juice, premium juice, and it's just kind of followed the evolution of vaping. And um, we started out with 10 mil plastic bottles, and 
then what became an industry standard at the time was uh, glass bottles and 30 mil glass bottles. And I don't know, Troy may kick my ass for giving away this secret, but we, we came up with a new line. It was called the Vape Snob line. And it was because a lot of people were coming in asking for premium juice. And we we're like, well, what the hell is premium juice? What does that mean? I mean, we, you, you want a glass bottle, a fancy label, a higher price? Okay, we can make that. And so we, we put out a glass bottle, a fancy label, and a higher price, and we called it our premium line. And it's uh, we still carry it to the day, vapes on But what goes inside is the same four ingredients, the PG, the VG, uh, nicotine, whatever level, and the food-grade flavorings. And our, our vape on line is typically a, a custard, creamier blends, um, but it has all those features of the so-called premium line. And that's kind of evolved over time. And, and what I see, what most people call premium lines today, are just national brands with a national packaging where you can find it at, at pretty much any vape shop. Um, but the same ingredients go the same. And, and it's one of the cool things about vaping is it's very subjective. Taste is a very subjective thing. And what one person likes and maybe their best flavor ever, you know, may be known for someone else and vice versa. So ultimately, it, it just comes down to what a person wants. But what I do believe in and what we do need to have in the industry is some standards, um, some qualifications, and whether it's an ISO 6 or an ISO 7 lab, whatever the case may be, um, clean room. I, I mean, in the pharmacy industry, a combating pharmacy, what they ask for is a clean room for compounding, you know, medicines. Um, it's very similar with what we do. I mean, that's really, it's all stated. But till the FDA, the regulatory agency here in the state of Arkansas, whoever it may be, puts in those standards in place, it's just kind of an unknown. Um, I, th- I think at the very least, everything needs to be manufactured in a clean room. Um, I don't think anyone wants to buy a bottle of juice and get back and find that they've got, uh, you know, a hair floating around, which has actually happened to me from a house juice that I purchased one time. And, you know, some fuzz floating around from, you know, whatever it was made. Uh, we, we, we need standards, and, and that's what I'm going to leave it as and push for, is that um, our industry needs some standards. It needs something that everybody that wants to be a player and wants to be involved has a standard to live up to. Um, and make sure, and every consumer knows that they're buying something that's made to a certain standard. Um, but the whole, as it stands right now, PMTA process is a standard that I believe that virtually no current e-liquid manufacturer on the market would be able to obtain. Um, and that's by design, essentially, to push the smaller players out. Um, and in the case of when it went into effect, going back to that Tobacco Control Act of 2009, um, it's sometimes referred to as the Marlboro Protection Act because Marlboro was the number one manufacturer at the time, and it created a, a, a grandfathered them in first and foremost, and number two, it made it so that uh, the application process was a, a bar that virtually no new uh, tobacco company could live up to. And since we're now considered tobacco, no new U.S. company can live up to that application process either. Right. Absolutely. 
Well, guys, if you'll give me one minute, we're going to throw this thing into a commercial. We are here at Top Radio 49 here in the Southern Vapor Studios. We are talking right now currently to Topher Kent and Jason Whitman, both store owners and the vaping community, and both very educated in the legislation aspect. Well, all things vaping, basically, but that's what we're doing here tonight. We are talking all things vaping. We are going to be right back with more here on the Pulse Podcast on Talk Radio 49. Are you looking for the best deals for your vaping needs and accessories? Then check out the guys at sub Vapors. With daily specials on a wide selection of mods and juices, they will surely become your one-stop shop. Ray and the guys at sub Vapors located at 6929 JFK Boulevard, Suite C in North Rock, Arkansas, want to see you. Join them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, but more importantly, visit the store or call 501-392-6487. Sub on Vapors. Vape it like you built it. up to date with Talk Radio 49 has never been any easier. Go to Facebook, look up Talk Radio 49. If there's a particular show that you were interested in, check it out. American Idiots Podcast, Behind the Curtain, and many more. Also, hit us up on Twitter. That's Talk Radio underscore 49 on Twitter. Again, staying connected, it's all up to you. It's social media and Talk Radio 49 working to keep you connected. Communication. Thank you, Michael. I will educate you on how this works. Click happy. You're the beat. Dude, you're so click happy. But anyway, so we are joined here live with uh, Topher Kent and Jason with them. And before we bring them back, I want to remind everybody that if you're big into sports or you want to talk sports, we have a sports show, Mike and Mike at Night. That's every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, taking your phone calls, your opinions, their opinions, whether you agree or disagree, it's all things sports. It's Mike and Mike at night, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you want to call in tonight's show, 347-989-1171. Again, 347-989-1171. And uh, you can ask Topher or you can ask Jason or you can ask me a question. I'm not as educated as any of these two gentlemen. But, uh, you know, it's, that's what we're here for. We're educating the American public, the listening audience all across the entire 
anyway, let's go ahead and bring Topher and Jason back on, and we'll get into more about vaping. Topher, let's uh, or Jason is either one of you guys that there's a lot of legislation being handed down or uh, being brought to the forefront against vaping. Uh, some of the more uh, interesting ones I was reading about earlier. Uh, Topher, is there anything in particular you want to address as we come back uh, in this last hour? Well, uh, I'm going to kind of divide it into kind of two fronts. There is federal legislation, and there is state and local legislation. Um, and I realized getting involved back in 2013 with um, kind of the whole fight for vaping nationally that there's not a whole hell of a lot I can do on the federal front. Um, there's organizations like I mentioned before with Kassaw, which is a consumer organization, um, which I've been a member since 2013, and I helped uh, fund them. There's national organizations like the American Vaping Association with a good friend of mine, Greg Conley, at the helm. Um, who fights uh, nationally. And then there's groups like uh, SAFADA uh, and VTA, the Vapor Technology Association, which have lobbyists in D.C. that fight for um, access to vapor products nationally and have been pushing some federal legislation, primarily uh, what we have on the table at the moment federally, is uh, what I'll refer to as the Cole Bishop Amendment. And it would essentially grandfather in all products that were on the market as of 20 or as of uh, August 8th of 2016 um, to be grandfathered in, much like the Tobacco Act did for cigarettes, combustible cigarettes that were on the market at that time when the FDA was given jurisdiction or authority to regulate the uh, cigarette tobacco industry. Um, there was a standalone bill, um, but to be frank and brief on that, um, not a hell's chance that it would pass through. Too much uh, resistance from the powers to be with lobbying groups like the Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids. Um, but what we do have, and it still sits in the Agricultural Appropriations Bill, is the Cole Bishop Amendment, which would grandfather in vapor products around the market. Um, and there's a couple other stipulations that are allowed in there. And there's a chance that um, after this continuing resolution to uh, March of this year, it could be voted on and passed through. That would be a huge win for our industry. Um, so that's what's happening federally. And uh, all the states are getting an onslaught of different legislation and, and there's kind of four categories that I could divide it in and simplify it for everyone. Um, we, we've got the playbook. We've been handed the playbook. We know how they're attacking us. Um, and, and they're starting out with, you know, the kids, you know, this is, these are, this is another scheme by the tobacco industry. False. It's not the tobacco industry. This is a new industry. This is a vapor technology industry where consumer electronics product we're not tobacco, and I will continue that fight, but what they're using is that this is a tobacco industry, and they're trying to hook a new generation of kids on nicotine, and, and that's the second argument that they bring up, 
the nicotine is a super harmful thing for kids. And doing the research that I've done, I understand nicotine is not the best thing for a young adult mind. It does have potential impairments. And, and, you know, so that is a valid argument. But, again, I defend that these are not products intended for children. These are adult products with age restrictions like alcohol. And for adult smokers, they need to have access to potentially life-saving technology products to be available as freely as combustible cigarettes that are available on every every you know, corner. I mean, you can walk into any convenience store, drugstore, just about uh, Walmart. I mean, they all sell cigarettes. Um, so as long as they're available, I believe that we need to have much less harmful alternatives like vapor technology products as easily available. And then I'll speak to kind of, uh, you know, on the state and local level, because they're starting to attack where they can't win at the state. They're starting to attack in specific towns and municipalities on these four main issues. Uh, Number one, uh, clean indoor air. They want to add vaping into clean indoor air bills that have already passed in, uh, I think, all 50 states where any business you can't smoke in, they want to attach vaping. Of course, those of us that vape understand that vaping is not smoking. It doesn't have the same harms, both to the user that uses it simply, as well as to bystanders. Um, number two is to raise the minimum age of purchase from 18 to 21, which I, I think is just absolutely ridiculous considering all the rights that come in with being an adult occur uh, 18, the age of majority, um, which is 18 in most all states. There's some stipulations. I can go into the details of that. But if you can go fight for your country and give the ultimate sacrifice, if you can sign up for student loans, a car, put yourself in the financial ruin, marry, put yourself in the financial ruin by being married. Um, you do all these other adult responsibilities, you should have the same rights. And um, I just don't understand how you, anyone would want to attach it. Well, I do understand it's all about the money for these organizations. Um, but that's the second part. We call it T21 or Tobacco 21. It's a big push nationally and it has a lot of funding and financial support behind it. Number three is vapor uh, or um, flavor flavor bans. They want to make it so that uh, tobacco products cannot have any flavors. And of course, us as vapors know that flavors are a big attraction to why we wanted to quit combustible tobacco and why we we're attracted to vapor technology products and all these great flavors. When we quit smoking, our taste buds come back alive and and we can enjoy this uh, nicotine experience with all these wonderful new flavors. And that's the reason why we keep away from cigarettes. So that's one of the things that they want to shut down. Um, and then the fourth, fourth front, you have to give me a minute. I'm having a, <clears throat> a momentary lapse of uh, memory on on, uh, the fourth main point that they're trying to attack us. But um, like I said, they're doing this 
you know, nationally, but what they found easier is to attack it at the state level. And many states are seeing multiple bills. New York's going through some right now. Florida. Boy, fortunately, we're fortunate here in Arkansas that we're not having to deal with any of these at the moment. But I fully anticipate uh, next, starting in January, when session comes back in here in Arkansas, that we're going to face these things again. We face the clean indoor air. They try to push vaping into uh, into clean indoor air bill. Uh, two sessions now, and we defeated it successfully for two sessions. Uh, last session, they tried the Tobacco 21, raising the uh, the minimum age. It seems like an easy win in some places, but um, it got further than I thought it would here. It passed the first. We actually killed it the first time, and due to some special rule in the House committee, they were able to bring it back for a second try. They passed the second try and got taken to the House floor, where it was eventually killed, thank God. Um, so, hey, going forward, you know, I, I'm sure we'll probably see a new sense of the flavor ban as well. This is, but looking at their side of things, it's an easy thing to attach to. Let's do it for the kids. You know, we can get support, public support for people that, and let's face it, the majority of the public don't understand vaping. They see it. They see that it looks like smoking. They know smoking's bad. Therefore, the easy assumption is well, that looks like smoking. Therefore, it must be as bad as smoking. Oh, I'm just going to be negative against it. Um, and until it's explained, and, and again, the majority of the public don't care to understand it, you know, it's, it's easy for them to be against it. And so, you know, this is something that we're trying to do with the Arkansas Vape Advocacy Alliance is to focus on educating the public as well as educating our legislators, which we've, I think, done a pretty good job at, do have a lot of their support going forward. Um, but it's really explaining what tobacco harm reduction is all about. It's about saving lives. Um, it's about the, a billion lives that the food, the World Health Organization, uh, expects that will die from smoking-related illnesses over the next century. A billion lives, whatever that breaks down to, and however you want to look at it at the level of just Arkansas, um, you know, what I'm concerned about and what our organization is concerned about, it's about helping improve um, the lives of the smokers here in the state of Arkansas and nothing else. Right. Well, well Tobra, I'm going to bring Jason back on real quick. Um, also, have uh, I got one question, and either Jason, maybe you want to answer this, or Tobra, whichever one of you would like to answer this one. But uh, and then we want to bring our co-host Lisa on here in just a minute. Uh, she doesn't bait, but maybe she has some questions that you guys can answer as well. You know, from a, a away from like me, I'm biased, obviously. But I had a, a person message me uh, on Messenger, and they were wanting to know uh, the CBD oil. They have some like a depression issue and things of that nature, and was wanting to know the benefits of CBD. And maybe you could talk about that for a minute if you feel comfortable talking about that. Um, you know, that was just a question they had. Would it be beneficial to them? And then maybe you kind of can explain the, the CBD aspect of vaping as well. Jason, you want to start with that? Absolutely. Um, CBD, in my opinion, is going to be one of the best things that 
has happened to my store, uh, it helps with anxiety, depression, nausea, pain. Um, it, this stuff is phenomenal. I can tell you from personal experience, I have a torn rotator cuff, a torn tendon in my right shoulder, 16 pins and seven screws in my right knee. Instead of taking the pain medication that the doctor wants to prescribe me, I use CBD. The stuff works. If you're nausea, take a couple of drops of CBD. It works. It's everything in the marijuana plant but the THC. There are some companies out there that do not go through the proper steps, use the proper hemp. Yes, some of those items have been found to have THC in them. I only carry CBD drip. That stuff is phenomenal. I've uh, I've tried a couple of the other companies, not really had as much success with them. They're not that their product wasn't as good, but I got some bad results back from the lab, and I just chose not to go that route. I've had everything lab tested that I have in my store, and it has all been found to have no THC in it. I, I believe in it. And I know a lot of people, uh, close friends of mine, that have, have used it and have had chronic pain and, and such and they use it they either they'll put some in their tank or they'll drop it in their under their tongue or i know they make like the, there's some gummies some candies now that you can get as well with some of the aspects of cbd and like you said you know the stigma that goes with cbd when you when you talk about it to people that aren't educated fully to what it is it's instantly Oh, that's marijuana. No, no, it's not marijuana. You're not going to get high off of it. But what you are going to do is get the medical effects, from what I understand, of, of marijuana. And there's been plenty of studies to show that hemp and marijuana is so beneficial. I don't even understand why it's an issue, other than it's a way to make money, you know, do whatever. But, you know, Topher... I know I've never actually personally used CBD myself. Like I said, I've known a few that have. I know Double J has used it before and says it works wonders. And so that was what the the lady that had messaged in was asking about the depression aspect. Would it help her? So, you know, and, and obviously Jason's talked at length about it with me and everybody in the shop that's come in that I've asked uh, questions about it. But, uh, you know, Tobler, do you want to to, to mention anything about the CBD before I bring Lisa on? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll express a little bit that I do know about it. Um, and really, I, I you know I consider Ray over at Subone Vapors to be the expert in this area that I've found um, with regards to knowledge on on actual CBD. But I've been very intrigued by it. Um, you know, recently Arkansas passed medical marijuana as many states. I think, I think it was the first state here in the South to, to pass medical marijuana. And, and I've been a believer in it, um, you know, from day one. There are definitely medical benefits that uh, can be achieved and needs to be further studied. Um, but, you know, I've been witness to it in my own life. Um, 
and I'll just say, yeah, I, you know, I, I I was young. I was in college, and I was a user of, of marijuana at one time, and um, seen benefits. Uh, and to this day, from others' experience, know that there are potential benefits, medicinal uh, benefits for for many users in the CBD. My understanding is CBD is it um, the ability to isolate uh, certain properties from the hemp or marijuana plant without the psychoactive uh, THC components. Um, I've tried CBD myself, uh, and, and I don't notice. I, I, I deal with peripheral neuropathy. I can't feel my feet. Um, it's not from diabetes, but, um, you know, I have some medical conditions as well as depression, anxiety, and other benefits that others have said that they have achieved from CBD. So I thought it was worth a try, and I, I've tried it myself. And I can't speak to any, you know, known, and maybe it's because I've not used it enough myself, um, to achieve the, uh, what other claims known benefits from it. But I've certainly seen the videos and testimonies like Jason um, to experience that others have the potential for that. So, and why not? Why, why not? Why restrict a, a, a product that does no harm um, that's grown from a plant that anybody could grow in their own backyard. If it's doing no one else any harm, why not allow this? So that's right. that's my question to those that are trying to stop it. Now, interestingly, um, just today, and there's a report, and I can get you the link if you want to post up in your group, but in Tennessee, the uh, – I forget the agency that did it. I just had it pulled up so I could speak to it. But there was 23 businesses that were shut down and padlocked in Tennessee because they were selling CBD. And they got a court order, a judge ordered, and a 21-count indictment for the owners of the businesses that were selling CBD products, specifically gummy chewables. And in the news report that I saw out of, Nashville, and I was in shock over this. I'm like, how freaking ridiculous is this? They were talking about kids' access to these gummies, CBD products from vape shops, and, and most of them were convenience stores. There was like, in this 23 count indictment, um, I think I only counted like three vape shops, and they may have been slash head shops, but the majority were convenience stores where these CBD gummies were found, and the concern that they brought up was that and during the news conference, they announced that, well, you know, this is CBD and under, uh, and this is not how I know the CBD law throughout the United States, but um, their claim was that, uh, you know, marijuana is illegal and this is a derivative of, uh, CBD is a derivative of the marijuana, illegal marijuana plant, and therefore uh, this is how we're gaining jurisdiction over this. And they're selling gummies and parents be careful. Again, it goes back to that whole for the children argument. The kids may find gummy. You know what? I fucking like gummy bears too. You know, I like candy. I like flavors. Um, and if I choose to do this, being an adult, I should have the right to do it. That's my argument against it. But ultimately, I'm in shock. They shut down 23 businesses. I'm sure there's going to be lawsuits from this because uh, CBD is not THC. But the post I put on a good friend of mine's 
um, in reply to his his Facebook post was, you know, this is the same thing that they're attempting to do with vapor products and claiming that we're tobacco products. Again, remember, e-liquid contains most e-liquids. Excuse me, most e-liquids contain no tobacco. However, the FDA is claiming authority because the nicotine that we use is derived from tobacco. Of course, nicotine can be synthesized in a lab, right? So, we, like, we have salt nicks that are on the market today, and nicotine derived in a lab contains – it's not derived from tobacco. So, ultimately, really, the FDA doesn't have authority over it. Of course, take the court challenge because they're going to claim that they do because they could or reasonably could be uh, used in a tobacco-type product or added to a, you know, vaporizer along with tobacco. So that's how they're trying to use their regulatory overreach to, to grasp that being a tobacco product. And they're going to do the same thing with CBD. They're going to say, well, this is derived from the illegal marijuana plant. Actually, no, it's derived from hemp that contains no THC or nothing illegal. And my understanding of CBD laws is that it's totally legal. It doesn't contain any of the psychiatric or excuse me, uh, the things that get you high, like in uh, the THC. So, um, and people are using this mostly as a medicinal thing. And as an adult, shouldn't we have the right, you know, re- again, I go back to what I said earlier, is it's all about the money. And when you have agencies that have the ability that are bought and paid for by big farm, big tobacco, big government, whatever, um, there's going to be this type of corruption and trying to shut down what should be um, free and legal products for the rest of us. Sorry, you're, if I was you're right. Oh no, no. Go ahead. Uh, you know, and you're right. You know, it's the thing to me that, and I, we're going to bring Lisa on, uh, Lisa O'Brien out of New Orleans. She's one of the co-hosts over of this show. And usually, what this show is based around is. It's kind of a political show, uh, you know, a pulse on real news, real issues, real talk. But wanted to bring you on and, and get this out there. But uh, before I go any further, hello, Lisa. How are you? Hey, very well. Getting ready for Mardi Gras tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa was, 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 is in the heart of Mardi Gras, which sucks. Uh, <laughs> Lucky her. I I've been to about four. I'm due for another soon. Well, I'm I'm just getting ready to sleep late and not go to work. Right on. Yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I'll go right. parade. <laughs> well, Tober, you know, going back to that CBD issue, honestly, I don't. I mean, it, it's it's like we defy common sense. Uh, in all legislation to a degree, because if you can offer someone the benefits medically of what marijuana gives you without the inebriation factor or, or the getting high, I don't understand why it's that big a problem. Um, honestly, and that to me just kind of sums everything up. It's, it's just downright stupid yeah. in my opinion. But Lisa, you've been listening for the last uh, hour and a half, I would assume. Um, yeah. Jason had to drop off the line for a minute uh, to, to answer a phone call, but Lisa, is there anything question-related or anything you would want to know from Topher? Obviously, 
you haven't baked ever, I wouldn't imagine. Um, but are there any kind I'm of still, Go ahead. I'm still a smoker. Um, the one of the questions I have about vaping is, what is the cost when you compare it to cigarettes? Is it the yeah. same, less, more? You know, it what is your initial outlay and and uh, like a maintenance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it really is for for a number of reasons. The the quick and short answer is it, it, it depends on how you do it. Um, when I started four years ago, the devices that were available on the market were above ohm, um, which were more meant for mouth and lung type hits, which is what's most similar to how we smoke cigarettes, which is drawing into the mouth and then down to the lungs and using right. higher nicotine and going through less e-liquid. And what's happened is that the technology has evolved over time. And what's more commonplace on the market today and pushed by a lot of shops is volume vaping, which is using a sub-ohm tank and a higher wattage and getting more vapor. And that's the evolution of the vapor from day one through a couple of years to where we're at today. Saying that, or having said that, I should say now that there are still people that are still smoking and new to vaping and they don't follow that pattern. They're still at stage one and doing the mouth to lung style vaping and a starter kit um, that does that, the price has come down. A couple years ago for the same device that would deliver the same experience, it was double the price. I saw a starter kit now that's about thirty dollars. I always explain it this way. Whatever you intend for a carton of cigarettes is going to be your upfront cost, and it's going to buy you the equipment and the e-liquid and coils to last you the same as a carton of cigarettes would. So, you know, about okay. a $40 upfront cost lasts you about a week, and then your ongoing cost truly can be about a third of that of smoking because all you have to replace is a coil, uh, which is about once a week, and with that style of vaping, about $2 per coil, and then the e-liquid that you use. And and that's okay. where it becomes kind of relative, because some people like to hit on their vape all day long, every in a couple of minutes. Some people do it like they would a cigarette, and they may go hours and then have a five-minute session where they vape a lot. So that part mm-hmm. is relative. It just depends on how you do it. Um Okay. Yeah, so it, it can still be much, I'd say, a third less than smoking. But if you get to the hobby side, and, and I wish Jason was here on the line, or, or maybe Brad can speak to it, you know, the hobby side of exploring all the cool things of building your own coils and trying out different e-liquids. If you're doing it beyond just the simple fact as an alternative to smoking, you know, it can become more expensive. And I've gotten caught okay. up in the bug of, Pacing the vape and trying to find, you know, the next, you know, coolest flavor or biggest hit. Okay. I've also recently been keeping it simple and just smoking and keeping it cheap. So well, I, I hope that answers your question. There, there's multiple yeah, ways to do it, but it, it can be less than expensive than smoking, and you can explore your hobby side of your heart's content. Right. And, Tover, right. and Lisa, let me. 
I'll, I'll give you, I'll, uh, I'll, I mean, I don't care. Uh, as far as it goes, when I first started back July 5th, I bought, I don't even remember the brand. I was a smock something or a smock stick. It had a tank. You try to take the top off. You fill up the liquid. Um, it had pre-built coils in it. I think they ran around three or four dollars a pop. I think the mod cost me thirty or thirty-five dollars. Uh, the mm-hmm. bottle of juice, on average, I would say, you know, depending on where you go, um, obviously it's like anywhere. Uh, certain places are higher than others. Um, right now, I'm averaging around twenty-two, between eighteen dollars and twenty-five dollars for. 60 mils worth of juice, and I mean, these are pretty delicious juices. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, that's the one thing, Topher, that blows my mind is how these manufacturers can replicate these flavors. Like, it's crazy, insane. Like, um, the one I'm vaping on now is a blueberry slushy. Tastes just like it. Um, but I would say just the other day, I spent around 40-something dollars on 120 mils worth of juice, two bottles, and those will last me roughly two weeks. I'm not getting two okay. weeks worth of life out of a carton of cigarettes. It's not happening. Yeah. Um, and especially, Tobra, I'm, I, I mean, you are a smoker. My problem was as a smoker, if I had a carton, I'm smoking more because I know I have those sitting back in the hole. So, um, yeah. The difference, yeah, and the difference too is I become a hobbyist with it. Honestly, uh, um, you know, I, I I have my own coil, I wrap my own coils, um, I do all, I you know, whip my own cotton and whatnot, and I have various mods that are some are pretty outrageous, some are fairly affordable, um, but that's just me. But I still feel like in the six or seven months that it's been since I haven't smoked a cigarette. Um, I still feel like I come out ahead. Um, I may be a couple dollars higher right now in vaping just because, like Topher said, I've gone more from the habit to the hobby. So if Jason, if Jason was on here, he would tell you. I'm, I'm Topher. I've met Topher a couple times at some cloud comps over at the Vapor Lounge. Uh, you know, it, it used to be where if the newest crap hit the market and, and it was available, I don't know. Like, I may not pay an electric bill to buy that. I'm just kidding on that <laughs> one, but not really. Um, <laughs> I want that. The car note may have gotten pushed but, back. Yeah, I may or may not have had to hide the car in a locked garage because the repo guy couldn't get it. So, by God, I've got the latest <laughs> yeah. mod. I'm telling you. But, but, hey, but no, Lisa, in all honesty, if the price the price to me has is, is been... You know, if I had just stuck to my initial plan, I would have been far, far less into vaping than I would have been into cigarettes. Um, right. But the way I look at it now is from a from a health standpoint and a feel better standpoint. The only difference is I gain more weight because shit tastes better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I'm glad you brought that up. That's what I was thinking the whole time. As you were, were speaking, Brad, is, is there's this hidden cost that we don't think about because it's not a direct upfront cost, and that's like the health benefit and the health results, um, you know. But here I am, five years into it, and you know, I I haven't had a major cold, flu, bronchitis, which I used to get at least one or two times a year. 
you know, if it wasn't the cold or flu, it was like bronchitis or some kind of lung infection. Um, you know, my my health has improved. Even my blood pressure meds, you know, I cut in half when I started vaping. Um, so there's that health aspect that hasn't been fully explored. I did see a study done on Medicare, Medicaid expense, and how it would cut it by a third if, if we can get all the smokers to switch. So, um, but then, you know, realistically speaking, just on firsthand knowledge and our own experience for somebody who's a smoker, and this is why I try to explain to people that come into my shop looking and asking that question of, you know, what's the cost related to smoking? And I was a pack and a half, two packs a day smoker. And, you know, cigarettes have gone up. And they keep increasing the tax. Amazing how that works. But they increase the tax, and I think it's six, six to seven bucks a pack. I'm not even sure what it is these days. And I keep trying to keep this in mind because one of the things that the FDA regulations that went in place in 2016 did was made it so that a lot of shops thought that they could not break apart packs of coils. And so they still sell packs of coils in a five-pack. That's great. That's your interpretation of the law. But our interpretation by our um, legal team has been that we can still sell coils individually. And that breaks down the cost so that I always think about if somebody comes in and they have what they would spend on a pack of cigarettes, which is 6 $7, I can still get them placement coil and a bottle of juice for that price and it will last as long as a pack of cigarettes. So you're you're coming out at the same cost or less by switching to vaping. And then if you do like Brad did and get into the hobby side of building your own coils, you save the cost of a coil and you're just replacing organic cotton and you can get that out of a cotton swab if nothing else. Um, you know, mm-hmm. pack of organic cotton at the pharmacy is really inexpensive. And your coil will last for multiple uses. Uh, so it, that cost is eliminated, and you're really just talking about the e-liquid. And, you know, 20 bucks per 60 mil, I think, is going right pretty much uh, across the nation. Fine. So it just comes to how how often you're using it. And it, it, if you find that you're going through a lot of e-liquid, you can up your nicotine level, and you'll go through less e-liquid. Damn. <laughs> Easy, easy fix there. Well, yeah, and you're, you're talking a bag of a bag of cotton runs what six, seven, eight bucks, depending on where you go. A little bit higher, yeah, depends on what shop you go to. But I'm still, I've got a bag of cotton that I've had for six months now that is about half full, and I've had the same coil and well, I've got. I got one tank I've just bought here recently, but I've had the same coil in it for since I bought it. I just do the technique I was taught about getting it a little bit warm and dipping it in the water, and it cleans it right off, and there's no issue. And you know, like Topher was saying, Lisa, six bucks was what I was paying for <clears throat> cigarettes back then, and I guarantee yeah. you, by the end of the hell, it got to the point where. 12, 13 hours after I had that bag of cigarettes, I was already looking to buy another one. And I mean, so I would say, uh, I don't know, in my honest opinion, if like I said, if I did it normally, I'd be in around $30 every two weeks, which to me is a lot cheaper than where I was at beforehand. Oh, yeah. And, and that's and, not and, counting the 
effects on your health. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Uh, go ahead, Lee. Which is always forgotten about in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, it counts too. And another thing I was wondering about, I mean, and don't don't take this the wrong way, but are you kind of exchanging one vice for another vice, even if it is probably safer? Do you still crave the nicotine and, you know, crave when you're stressed and crave, or, or is it something that can actually help you get over smoking anything? I'm okay with it. I love it. I, I've been addicted to a lot of vices <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I, hey, here, here's the deal. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's nicotine. Uh, and as I mentioned, I don't know if you caught it earlier in the show, Lisa, but every American that eats a normal, healthy diet consumes nicotine. Most don't realize it. We all consume Nicotine's not the harmful thing. I enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning. Most every American drinks some type of caffeine, if not eats chocolate, okay? Right. Is it causing harm? Is it really an addiction if it doesn't cause any harm? If you do something and you enjoy it, should you stop doing it just because some other moral superiority or high horse thinks that that's something you shouldn't do? That's where I'm at with it. It's like, you know, if I'm not causing any harm with somebody and something I enjoy and it's not causing harm to myself, whose fucking right. problem is it? Really? You know? I mean, just because you think it's not. So now, ultimately, yeah, I, I'm, I don't find any harm with, with vaping compared to what I was doing. It's much less harmful. It may right. not be the healthiest thing. Well, I, probably I, best I totally I, agree. I, I totally agree. Um, now, another thing I wanted to address that you talked about where um, they're not allowing people to vape, like in restaurants and bars and things like that, I can speak to this because I've witnessed it. That may be because people who smoke can be, some people who smoke can be incredibly ignorant. I was in a restaurant when vaping first came out, and Somebody in the restaurant started vaping because it didn't say you couldn't vape. And, it, you know, it's not bad as cigarette smoke. And so somebody else at another table lit up a cigarette and argued about being able to smoke if that person could vape. So it may be the, the prohibition against vaping indoors may be because of the ignorant segment of the population that's going to think, if he can vape, I should be able to smoke. Because we do live in a nanny society. Yeah. Great, great point. I have, <laughs> so, I, have I don't see it as an attack on vaping so much as you've got a lot of dumb people in the world, and there are people that aren't, you know, going to draw the distinction and are going to think, if he can do it, I can do what I want to do. Yeah, so, great point, Lisa. I can speak to two personal experiences that kind of brought that home to me. Um, when I when I first started vaping, I was so excited about it. I was like, yes, something that finally got me to quit smoking. And I went around everywhere I went. I had a vapor on my neck and a little holster. And people would ask me about it. It was great. It would start a con- conversation, a topic, and then, what's that around your neck? And they'd see me vaping. And I would vape everywhere I went. I'd do it in Walmart. I'd do it in the grocery store. I'd do it in every meeting. And 
I didn't realize the negative effect it had until later. But although it would get people to, to open a conversation, hey, what are you doing? And I could explain, well, you know, this is my personal vaporizer. It helps me breathe better. I would say this with all conviction, it helps me breathe better. It's for my lungs. You know, I can breathe better because of this. And they would say, well, what's that all about? Well, you know, this is an alternative to smoking. And, you know, well, they didn't really care <laughs> my explanation. What they cared was what they saw coming out of my lungs. And I realized that at the time, um, uh-huh. and of course, it was new. And I ended up getting it banned in some places that I didn't want it banned at because it was a yeah. to the people who didn't understand it. I later realized that. Um, and so that's right. a great point. Um, and what I, I've, I've, I mean, I, the guy got thrown out of the restaurant because he just absolutely refused to understand the distinction yeah, between what and, he and, wanted to do, which hasn't been legal in restaurants for 10 years, and yeah, the vaping. It, so then everybody said, okay, well, no more vaping in restaurants either. And you can't vape in taxis. Yeah. So... I went to one restaurant and I was being discreet and hiding the vape underneath uh, underneath the table. And the waitress came over to me and said, "Hey, you know, we know what that is. It's okay. You can vape here openly." Okay. Now that's just one example. That did not happen in every place. Like I originally said, I ended up getting it banned in a couple of places that I didn't want it to be banned in because I was doing it openly and I was so convicted in my belief that, hey, you guys just don't understand. This is so much healthier and safer. And they said, well, it may be healthier and safer, but I see what you're blowing out, and it looks like smoking. I, I know smoking's bad, and therefore this must be bad. No, listen to me. I'm trying to – they didn't want to hear it. I didn't understand that. Right. I didn't want to hear it. Um, uh, yeah, I got it. Once it was banned, I was like, okay, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I – it doesn't matter that I'm right and you guys are wrong. You know, you wanted to, and that ultimately is what I believe in today is that it's the right of the business owner. They can decide, you know, hey, you may be right. This may be safer and healthier. But, and so the problem I have is when a a government agency comes in and says, hey, we know better than all you guys, and we're going to dictate, and we're going to take away the business owner's rights to make the choice. And we're just going to say that this, you can't. And that's what they're trying to do. That's what they try to do here in the state of Arkansas. And they've done it successfully on college campuses. They have the right to do that. They're publicly funded. Um, they have the right to do it in their publicly funded, you know, state agencies. But I do have a problem when they try to take away business owners' rights to make that decision for themselves and for their own customers. Okay. We did it with smoking, and we did it with smoking for a good reason because we have the science and data to back up how harmful smoking can be um, for bystanders, especially, you know, for users. So, um, but with vaping, we don't, we don't have that science and data. It's not there to support the argument. So right. I say leave it in the hands of business owners. Just leave it in the hands of business owners. You, and some business owners are okay with it. And personally what I'll say for fellow vapors is don't be – a fucking douche. I mean, just some common sense. It, you know, it, 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 either ask for permission or go outside. It, if smoking is not allowed there, don't. 
you know, try to stand on your high horse and preach right. that, you know, they don't be respectful, you know, either keep it discreet or go outside. But you know what? I can go in any restaurant and vape and nobody will know because I can hold it in and self-vape and take a pool, get my nicotine fix, and nobody knows any different. Um, right. Maybe a slight sense of smell, you know, same as the old lady walking by with her cologne that smells like old woman purse. <laughs> old woman purse smell, if you know what that smells like. I'm sure you'd sell grandma's purse at some point, but um, yeah, and that, that was the argument I always used to go back to is, you know, when it came to, well, I still smell something. It's, well, yeah, we all smell. And I think Brad brought it up earlier about the exhaust from cars. I mean, there's a lot of, or even just the chemical smells from cleaning sprays that we experience on a daily basis in any restaurant or store that we go into from cleaning supplies. We can all find something to be offended by, especially in today's generation, right? <laughs> I, I Sometimes I think the regulatory uh, uh, attitude now is, especially smoking, I mean, it took, 300 years before anybody realized how harmful it really was. Yeah. How far did technology be 300 years? Yeah. Well, I think that there, I I think that additives in the last 40 years have probably, you know, upped the ante, but smoking tobacco came to Europe in the 1500, 1600. And that's when you started seeing people with cancers and uh, things like that. They didn't know what they were so much. I think that there's always been that element because of the combustion that is yeah. awful. And it's always been yeah. awful. Absolutely. I think some additives and things that have changed the growing process and the uh, uh, production process have upped that, but I think it's always been harmful. But it took them how long to realize? Yeah. So now, no. now they're trying to make, her, you know, making sure that they, you know, react more quickly on everything these days. Bam! You're on. <laughs> you know, the diet sodas, sodas. The way they're rolling today, our regulatory agents, they're rolling by the quote-unquote precautionary principle. It means Correct. that we think this could possibly, maybe, let me throw all that language in there, because that's what you will see in any study like the one that came out a few a few days ago about how vaping may cause cancer. That may possibly, you know, we that kind of language, it's called the precautionary principle. And the WHO adopted it about 10 years ago about what we may, you know, possibly know. And it's bullshit. Because let's look at what we do know. And what we do know is stronger than what we don't know. And when you're relying on arguments about what we don't know, you're fucking full of shit. I'm, pardon my language, but I mean you're 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 putting the cart before the horse because 
all that we do know about vaping and the potential harms outweigh all the unpotential harms about what we don't know. And right. I'll just that's the bottom right, line. And, and only when you compare it to smoking. Yes, if you if you leave out smoking, okay, there's a lot we don't know about vaping, but what we do know is much more compared to what we know about smoking. You know, it's much more beneficial than what we can compare to smoking. So let's throw that aside. You know, but what they always do is they leave smoking aside. You look at any study, any single one of those studies, they never, ever compare it to smoking because they lose every single time. And that's the bottom line is when we compare it to smoking, vaping is much less harmful. Yes, there's potential harms, but whatever they may be are much less harmful than smoking. Bottom line, in stop. They don't, they, they don't have enough data to form any, you know, conclusions. But, I think, but at least the way, another way to look at it is at least people can make informed decisions. Well, well over leave, Lisa, leave it in their hands instead of, leave it in people's hands instead of being a government regulatory agency and trying to take it in your hands. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the bottom yeah, line. I, I, I do, I, I do feel for the, the, you know, the businesses that are having to go through foods that are going to incre- end up increasing costs uh, in the Forget long about run. It. Forget about them. Businesses will find a way to think about the individual smokers that are freaking dying because our freaking government will not stand up and tell the truth. They're lying to every American when they won't tell them what they really know. Vaping is well, so powerful. Just- the way I look at it as far as smoking cells, being one, you know, I'm making the choice. Right. So whatever happens to me is on me. Right. Yeah. Well, Lisa, Topher, we've got, a, we've got about six minutes left on the broadcast. Before we get the final thoughts uh, on the show, number one, let me thank Topher Kent for taking the time out to come on the show and it's you can always tell in doing this for as long as I've been doing this, both podcast and then terrestrial radio as well, that when you have a guest that you look up and you go, holy shit, six minutes left of the show, and, and you've done a two-hour show, you, you, know, you know you've had a really informative, great guest because, um, you know, I wasn't sure how much vaping I could actually talk about in a two-hour time period, and... And, you know, here we're at the end. So, again, Topher, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm not done with it just yet. But, Lisa, as we've been chatting, me and you and, and Sean, uh, the Pulse podcast next week, uh, we're going to be talking with the release of the, the new Notorious B.I.G. and the Tupac uh, show or series. We're actually going to have a few guests on to talk about that situation next Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, also, want to extend a welcome to to Topher in the future. Um, I don't know if any of our listeners are familiar with the Coast to Coast AM type show, but that's a project that I'm fixing to undertake. It's going to be called Behind the Curtain. I've done it before. I'm going to bring that back. So, Topher, I'd love to have you on that as well at some point. To I get more into Oh, I love Coast to Coast. I'm not a big George Murray fan. I'm Art Bell, but um, I love. No, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I had no idea, but it's been it's it's been a couple of years, and 
I, I was a big Coast to Coast fan for many years, and glad to hear that. Well, I, I have a show called Behind the Curtain, and I've got a, a plethora of guests lined up already, uh, some out of New Orleans, uh, North Carolina, paranormal-type stuff. Uh, they'll be bringing that back. would love to do a show, uh, you know, another continuation of what we're doing here on there. But, again, next week, Monday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, we're going to be doing the, the Notorious B.I.G. Tupac Talk. Uh, anybody feel free. Also, if you didn't get a chance to listen to this show, uh, these are archived. The link that you got to the live show tonight is also the link that you will be able to use and follow to get to that. We're efforting to, to get submitted to iTunes, and, but we all know that takes a few minutes, but we're doing that. So, uh, going to try to get on Google Play as well, but uh, we got about, I'd say roughly about two minutes before we got to wrap it up, so if you want to give your final thought, and then uh, Jason wasn't able to make it back, so I was going to give him a plug, but if you want to plug uh, Rogue Vapors in North Little Rock as well, uh, how people can get a hold of you and contact you or even visit the store, that will uh, we'll do that, and Lisa, me and you will finish up the show uh, after that. Great. Brad, thanks for bringing me on the show, number one. Um, real appreciate the opportunity to uh, spread my passion for, uh, for vaping as a harm reduction tool um, as an alternative for smokers. My father died of lung cancer when I was 12 years old. And, you know, I found vaping as a 20-year smoker and to save my life. I believe it's a harm reduction tool that's available to all of us and should be freely available to every uh, smoker in the world. Explore it. Learn about it. Don't listen to me. Find it out for yourself. The information is out there. Don't listen to uh, one agency. You know, uh, the internet is a great tool. You find out the facts for yourself. What I do know, Public Health England has or done a study, 95% safer and healthier than smoking. Potential is there to eliminate combustible tobacco in this century. Imagine that. Imagine a world where smoking doesn't exist anymore, where half the users of a legal product no longer have to smoke because there's something available that can help save their lives. And it's all a matter of choice. So as long as combustible cigarettes are available, may vaping as an alternative be available freely. Um, explore the powers that want to shut down and get involved. You have a right. You have an obligation to stand up and be a voice. I hope that you do that. As a consumer, there's always the consumer advocates for smoke for alternatives. And as a um, advocate on the industry side in Arkansas, there is ArkansasDAA.org to reach out to. Um, we're here to support you in this. We're here to support our industry and to keep freedom of choice available for every person because ultimately it's up to you what you choose to do. I believe in that. I believe in liberty. Right. And so, 
Topher, you're you're associated with uh, Rogue Vapors too over in Lakewood Village. Yes, Rogue Vapors. Um, Rogue Vapors too in Lakewood Village is the shop that uh, that I manage and run. Um, affiliated with uh, Rogue Vapors uh, franchise licensee, um, the original vape shop in Central Arkansas. But I'm also affiliated with many other vape shops around town that support the main cause. Um, and that's where we formed the Arkansas Vape Advocacy Alliance to be a voice for all the industry members here in the state. Um, honest, there's the Central Arkansas Vapors Group that you can get involved in and find out more information. And I'm available on Facebook, online. You can always look me up, Topher Kent, or at Rug Vapors 2 in Lakewood Village. Um, I can get you any information that you need. Um, there's several national groups, um, and there's a lot of good people, good friends of mine, a lot of other vape shop owners that we're all in the same boat, and we're 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 here to be able to provide an alternative to smoking combustible cigarettes. Um, you know, I'm, I, I hope I was able to provide some valuable information in, um, about the plight that we have on on funding for the industry and and the battle from the other side and I can go in much more detail personally. So feel free to reach out to me. Um I'm always here to help anyone out. Thanks. No problem. And that was Topher Topher Kent of uh Rogue Vapors too. Topher, we appreciate you for coming on. Also joined uh, on the show he had to leave but Jason Whitham located uh, at the Vapor Lounge eleven 11- uh, 121 North Lodge, Parham Road, Suite 36, Little Rock, Arkansas. If you need to go see him, talk about another show on hold. Uh, we have been off the air for a few minutes, but again, this is archived. We're in our overtime period. We've got a lot. Um, of course, the main title sponsor of the program and of the show, Talk Radio 49, Southern Vapors, located in Indian Hill Shopping Center. Uh, you can check them out. You can check out Road Vapors, the Vapor Lounge. There's plenty of options. You know, pick your favorite store, go with it. But like Topher said, a lot of these vapor shops, a majority of them, I would say 98% of them, uh, are there to help. And they will answer any questions that you do have. Again, Topher, uh, I know you're you're in the queue, but we do appreciate it. This is going to be archived. I'll share that archive link across CAV, the Central Arkansas Vapors on Facebook, and uh, then you can go check it out from there and listen to it as well. But Lisa, a little Pulse podcast business. Uh, Sean wasn't able to join us. Apparently, the influenza demonic beast has reared its ugly head out his way. That's uh, all I can yeah. think about. Um, so he's dealing with a, a bunch of sick kids and. Uh, trying to stay healthy himself, so we appreciate, you know, and, and thoughts out to Sean and, and his family and, and dealing with that. Um, but, yeah, big show next weekend, Lisa. The, the Tupac, uh, Biggie Smalls, uh, conspiracy, murder, whatever you want to take. It's going to be interesting. I think uh, our producer, Michael, finally did something. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. We'll yeah, that is. It's all. It's been a, a a fascinating case. I've seen a couple of things about it. Um, I think the thing to me though is that 
a lot of people wouldn't cooperate. Right. Even if they knew I mean, who it was, they wouldn't. They just speak. I mean, and, and I don't think Michael understands being, you know, born in 1990. I don't think he understands fully the whole East Coast West Coast war that was going on at that time. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. But uh, I will say this: I, I would like someone to have a hurricane for me. Is that the <laughs> yeah. Damn drink! They don't look at me all crazy. I don't want to hurt anything. I mean, shit, it's five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere, and it's like Mardi Gras time. Party! I'm sorry, dude. I'm not leaving my house. <laughs> don't leave the house when you got hurricanes really available. <laughs> no, I, but, I actually uh, don't care for hurricanes. I love them. I've actually I, got I overindulged party. in hurricanes once. <laughs> And it was not pleasant. Was that a good time pod? Whoa. Whoa. No, Michael, we're not going too soon. Too soon, Bush. Um, sorry, I had to take Sean's place for just a minute, Lisa. Um, oh, okay. Michael's over here talking about not really bad events in the area. <laughs> but anyway, the. I think, Lisa, for our second Pulse podcast, that was pretty amazing. I, I learned a lot out of that. Like, I've been back since yeah. July 5th, and I totally uh, never really fully grasped the, 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 the deal behind vaping, and, and Toe were very educated and very educational on that aspect. Oh, no, I mean, you know, like I was saying earlier, um, out in my mind that this wouldn't be entertaining or educational, but I was, you know, I was going to base it legislation. It's, it's, but it was actually very entertaining to me, like super entertaining. Like I said, you know, you can always, I always judge the caliber of, of guests and the, and the content based on the fact that I look up and it's over, you know, and, and right. Yeah, now we're even in overtime. Now we're in overtime. Yes. I'm more used to overtime, dude. We got more overtime than the NBA. Speaking of that, don't miss Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Michael gets to talk about how the New Look Cavaliers take their road show into Boston, upset Boston, 22-point victory for the New Look Cavaliers in a rare win for them against top-five competition in the NBA. Isaiah Thomas' Laker debut. And Isaiah Thomas' Laker debut, I mean, the top radio 49 is loaded this week with information. And we're also going to be, be talking a potential, potential behind-the-curtain preview. A little big news maybe coming in through the, uh, the works on Wednesday. Of course, I will not be available Wednesday because I value my life, and that's Valentine's Day. And this beautiful woman sitting beside me just gave me this look like, you asshole, you're not going to be on the air at that time. So... I'll probably have to go. You know what I could do, Lisa? I could literally what? go Robin Williams in the best of times and be like eating dinner and sneaking shit on the phone, you know? Uh-huh. But, yeah, I hear you. I don't know if you've ever seen Best of Times, but uh, that's a great movie. I've never even heard you've of it. You've never seen it? Never even Have you seen it, Lisa? It. Tell me you have. Nobody's seen Best of Times? Never even heard of it. 
the greatest football movie ever. What's the best of times? We'll see what it is. The worst. Well, I'll give you a brief explanation. Best of times had Robin Williams and oh, God. Kurt Russell, and they Was had a, my Jesus? no, they had a bumble play in, in back in the day, and they bring it all back together to do this one. Two wives do not like football. Period. So mm-hmm. they're having this big dinner. And Robin Williams is like told he can't watch football, so he's at the dinner table. He wheels the TV in the other room, flips it on the game, and he's watching the game. The game, and he's like, "They, of course, you know, and all sports fans, when I when I when a big play happens, what do we do? No, oh yeah, he does that shit in the middle of dinner, and he's trying to play it off as if he's like celebrating turkey. <laughs> gets caught, gets busted, and all kinds of shit happens. But I'm not letting that happen. So. I will be asking from the air, but I will pass you all the details. Since you've already done your Valentine's Day. So fucking cheaper. Hey, I mean. But anyway, Lisa, is there any final thoughts for you this evening? Or do you do you have a dumb criminal? Or do we just bypass that one today? No, I actually have one. I, I, I do my research. Whoa, whoa. Uh, this one right. is out of Florida. Let's do it. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go for it. All right. This this one's out of Florida. A guy by the name of Rashad Walker was wanted in Orange County, Florida, for attempted murder and uh, second-degree attempted murder and aggravated battery. Uh, Pasco County deputies went to a residence where they had heard Walker was hiding and they were knocking at the front door. Mr. Walker had the idea to jump from a second story balcony to try to escape police. The only problem with that plan was that the police were right next to the balcony when Mr. Walker landed on the ground. He did not get away. He was tackled. He was cuffed and he was taken to Pasco County jail. So if you're trying to escape the cops, it's always a good idea to make sure you know where all of them are located so that you don't run into them as you try to run away. <laughs> wow. Just a public service tip. <laughs> so. And so I guess I will give my per- public service tip as well. Uh, of course, I do my segment, Stupid Laws. Um Another state that I will not be moving to is the state of Texas, because in the state of Texas, I will be thrown in prison because it's illegal to sell my eyes. Bullshit. Why are you selling your eyes? What if I want to sell my eyes? I can't do it in Texas. Why the fuck do you want to sell your eyes? Because I need to sell more vaping shit. Okay. And I feel like my eyes are worth a modern dude, damn it. I mean, maybe a smock stick. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody wants to eat black. <laughs> <laughs> and then also my last dumb law today in Denison and Bristol, Texas, if a person adjusts or fusses with their stockings, it can lead to a sentence of up to a year in the state pen. Dude, I've done like, the, the, the state pen. If you no, adjust your, your socks, like I've like already adjusted my socks like twelve times because that's a pet peeve of mine. If they fall down, I get irritated. I mess mm. with them. Yes, that's I the worst have, fucking feeling. I have the fucking Charlie Manson fucking socks. What? What are you doing in prison, son? No, I'm doing some more socks. Yeah. Come on. 
Yeah, you know that's the guy that you know. Yeah, that's probably the guy gets around it in if the jail. If I go to jail, if I go to jail for adjusting my socks, it's going to end up by the time the, by the time I get to prison, that story's going to like I go home and do says something to me, and I cut his fucking throat out. That's how that's going to go down. And if you fucking ask me more questions, I'll cut you too. That's how that goes. But Really crazy. I can't wait to see what Michael's got lined up in anything. So we will hear him Wednesday night with Mike Pettis, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Mike and Mike Show. Lisa, we will be back next Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time with the B.I.G. and Tupac. Oh, they're going to be on the show? I hope not. Unless we do it behind the curtain where we summon them through a Ouija board or some kind of weird crystal shit, that'd be cool. We ain't doing that shit here. Look, Dave, we can do that here. We can do that right now, dude. If I can like channel through a crystal and I can sell some shit, like I'm selling no lyrics, Dave. It's no New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans, New Orleans. Next Monday night, we are going to be in New Orleans. I'm going to be hammering on hurricanes. It's going to be the greatest show ever. Yeah. I don't know if we could make a very uh, comprehensive comprehensive show. They wouldn't be able to understand the word. I don't know if they were ever said Down all the booby bars. Yes. How many booby bars? Oh, I don't have any. I haven't gone to a single parade. Michael has a, a, a neck full of beads right now. In fact, I'm fixing to throw them at him again. <laughs> Lift that shirt up, Michael. Woo! <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, Lisa, I hope well, that that was just put your shirt down. Yes, I would give you a to put your shirt down, Michael. It's not a hair, dude, for a 20-something-year-old guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You like that. I need you to landscape a little bit. You like uh, that, don't you? Don't lie. Cut the catch, Michael. Get a razor. That'd be great. Uh, Lisa, I hope that was educational, entertaining. Until again, thank you, Topher, for coming on the show again. Uh, archive as usual. We are we were in overtime, but uh, Lisa, anything you want to say before we jump off here? No, I'm good. Thanks. Hi, <laughs> for Lisa O'Brien, uh, myself, and Michael Carnahan. This has been another fantastic episode of the Pulse Podcast, brought to you by Southern Vapors. Uh, special thanks again to Topher Kent. And we look forward to seeing y'all next Wednesday.